Good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the BallQuest.com Mailbag Podcast presented by Blue Water Climate Control. Be sure and check out our friends at BlueWaterClimateControl.com or on Twitter at BlueH2O underscore climate with Rob Lewis and Austin Price. Brent Hubbs, glad to have you with us on this edition of the podcast. And um, we'll get into the questions here in, in, in just a second. But um, just, well, we'll there's sort of a couple of questions, but I want to ask you this, you guys this off the top. What, what do you... What's your takeaway from Jeremy Pruitt's comments about how the offense has had more confidence the last week, week and a half? Um, is, is that hyperbole, you think? You think there's, it's realistic that this offense can gain some confidence in, an, in a, you know, a surprise open date? What, what, do you, what do you kind of make of, of that narrative as well as the I'm not going to name a quarterback narrative? Well, I mean, Brent, that's, that's not exactly like kind of earth-shattering stuff. I mean, you can't go anywhere but up with where they were. So, I mean, like, you know, it, it, you could complete a forward pass and you got to feel like you're more confident than you were coming to Arkansas. So, I mean, you know, I mean, look, and, and, and I, I'm Alabama, that point though, like, Alabama I'm game, Jalen Hyde called two deep balls, AP. I mean, it's not like, it's not like they haven't, they didn't throw a ball forward. I mean, I get what you're saying, but my question is, what do you make of this alleged – you think it's just Jeremy Pruitt's storytelling spin, or do you think there's a possibility that this team really made some kind of strides in the last week? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that it's possible they made some strides. But, again, I mean, like where you're coming from, I mean, you know, it's hard to believe that they're going to come out there and all of a sudden look like they're Warren Moon running the run and shoot. I mean – I agree with that. You know, I, I just it, – it, much like with the freshman receivers or freshman playmakers – until they actually do it, it's hard for me to believe that it's real. And so, you know, <laughs> I think it's kind of part, you know, the, the freshmen have to improve when they're just getting all the reps all of a sudden. So, like, they, you know, offensively, they could look more athletic and stuff, but it also could be some just kind of speaking it into existence. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm with AP. I'm, I'm, going, I'm going with a Hubbard Classic here, and I'll have to see it to believe it. I got you. I got you. I don't, I don't disagree with that. I mean, I, I don't think that – suddenly everyone's expectations should change about what this team's going to look like on Saturday night based on the fact that, you know, supposedly they had, you know, a better week or this offense is gaining confidence. I just, I thought it was interesting that he used the word confidence, um, you know, when he said that. And I didn't know if that was just, I just wanted you guys take on that. All right, let's, let's jump into the questions here. We'll start with 10 Ken 1985. Uh, give me reason to have optimism about this football program. They're not winning. There's apparent selfish coaches. They had a stagnant offense. Um, what what reason do you got for Ken to have some optimism about this program? I think they have good young talent in the freshman and sophomore class. I do. I do believe that. It's not I, been enough this year, right? I mean, you know, I thought you would see more freshmen playing earlier than what you what we have. But I, I'm with you. I think there's some athletic ability in that freshman class now. They got to, to borrow AP's line and my line. You got to go out and prove that you can develop them, Austin. But I think from an athletic ability, um, you know, the, the freshmen, sophomores, you know, there, there's certainly some talent there in that group to, to, to you know, to, to potentially develop and build upon. No doubt about it. And, and, and I think the biggest thing that this team is lacking is leadership. I, I, I've said that for several weeks that I'm not sure that this team has great leadership, you know, um, you know, I think Trey's a good leader, but I also think, you know, in the back of Trey's mind, there's some, you know, 
should we really be playing through this pandemic thing? You know, I, I, I think part of that has went on this year, you know, and it, that's, you know, understandable. So, I mean, like, you know, obviously Jarrett doesn't, you know, move the needle a whole lot as a leader. Defensively, I'm not sure Henry's vocal enough. Um, and, and, the, and there's nobody really vocal enough on that whole defense, in my opinion, you know. Um, so, I, th- I think that when leaders emerge, coupled with the young talent, that's when all of a sudden you could go from point A to point C or D instead of B. I mean, I think you could have a jump there. And I, and I also think it's – I mean, this isn't – you know, I'm stating the obvious, but I think it's just so hard to overcome bad quarterback play in this league especially. I mean, you could say Georgia's doing it to some degree, but they got their doors blown off by the two good teams that they played on their schedule. And they also have you know, how many five-star running backs do they have or how many, how many future NFL offensive linemen are they running out there. And they're still not able to, to overcome, you know, what they're getting at quarterback against good teams. Yeah. And, and because of that, they've not blown out teams that they're better than either. Uh, when you go back and look at them, I mean, Kentucky was 13 to nothing. Tennessee led at the half um, against Arkansas them. gave them everything they wanted. Right. So it's not like they've dominated people with, with their defense because they can't score the way that they need to. All right. Deshaun 13 wants to know, is Tennessee a few players away, such as a quarter quarterback safety edge rusher, or do the problems run deeper with this program right now? I'm not with I mean, just to my point, I was just making about quarterback. I think if you put Josh Dobbs on this team, I mean, not, forget about you know, Trevor Lawrence or somebody like that. I'm just talking about a good, solid SEC quarterback. I mean, they win. I think they win at Arkansas. I don't, th- you know, I don't think he throws has three turnovers in the first half against Kentucky. I mean, you might be sitting here four and two and feeling a lot different about things. Well, and who knows what you could have done in the second half against Georgia with a run with a, with a quarterback who could run and be a weapon as well. I, you know, I, I think Austin that they do need those players. They need a, they need an edge rusher. They need to be better at safety. They certainly have to be better at quarterback. But I think you hit on something too, and that's the leadership element of this thing. I mean, for, for them to to move forward, who's going to take the reins of this thing um, next year, this off season? and lead this team to where they're they're they do get better they do go to point b or, or to point c even even you know with some improvement at quarterback they, they've still got to have somebody that can lead and, and hold people more accountable maybe even a, even a little bit more of a care factor at times yeah i mean again i think trey's got great leadership qualities but i think even trey in his mind probably finds it hard to be real vocal when you don't practice most of the time you know, when you're standing over there and you're not out there actually going through practice, how vocal does Trey Smith feel like he can be? You know, I think a year from now, if Cade Mays is back, and right now, I, I, early in the season, I would have said, I think he's definitely coming back. Offensively, they've been kind of a train wreck, so it's more in the if column for me right now. Um, if, if he comes back, then I think he's one that does not care to get into some of those younger guys. You know, I, like I think Wanya and Darnell, you know, have, have been forced to play for two years. And, you know, they probably haven't played up to their uh, billing. And so, like, I think, you know, Tennessee needs somebody to push those kids, you know, a tackle, you know, make them earn it. Because right now they've not really had to earn it. Every time Jameer you know, gets hurt, it just gives a free pass to, to Wanye. And, you know, Darnell, I think, has a, a, a certain free pass at right tackle. So, um, you know, I, I think in a lot of ways, you know, across the board, Tennessee needs just leadership to show up. And, and who, who, who becomes that vocal guy? I don't think – I think everybody really 
didn't understand, you know, how vocal Nigel was a year ago. You know, how much of a leader Daniel Batuli was. Daryl Taylor wasn't a big talker, but, you know, I think everyone respected him. You know, offensively, same thing with certain guys, you know, like Jawan, Marquez. You know, this team just doesn't have that. And I think that's a huge reason why Tennessee is, has failed when it gets, you know, you know, those those tight moments. Yeah, when adversity hits. Um, all right, behind the scenes, how much has salary gate had an effect, player to coaches, coaches to coaches, administration to coaches, and even recruiting? I don't think it's had any effect in recruiting. I do think it's made it interesting in the building, don't you, Austin? In, in terms of just, it's got to be awkward for some people, right? Yeah, I, I, I'll be the first to say, um, you know, trotting T out to the quarterback club Monday was not not the smart, smartest option, in my opinion. I don't think trotting anybody out there was going to be a good option, but you know, you know, T's quoted as saying it was the right thing to do and all this stuff. When you know, I I, I don't think that you know they were all committed to. You know, I don't think the two that took it were totally committed to taking the pay cut at first, and then all of a sudden those two were. And, you know, <laughs> I think that there's some, you know, a little bit of, you know, kind of like what the heck, you know, uh, amongst the staff. Now, do I think that they've had some kind of duke it out or fight or, or disagreement? No, I think it's pretty much been, you know, kept, you know, quiet and it's just kind of more of a, a, a silent rift than it is anything else i tell you where i can tell you for sure there's animosity is the the lower rung people in the athletic department you know behind the scenes support staff type people that aren't necessarily you know part of the football program but but work with them on a daily basis to get things done i think there is a great deal of resentment yeah non-contract non-contract people and and probably I'm sure some contract people over there as well I mean uh, yeah, I don't it's, it's got to be awkward it's, it, it, there's nothing there's no other way about it I, I don't I, I'm not going to say there's a rift between baseball and football okay I'm not trying to say that at all but like, let's look at Taiwan Malone <laughs> they need baseball's help to try to get that one across the finish line if they can land him how motivates baseball when they look up and go Man, you guys didn't take a pay cut we had to and I'm not saying those guys would do that, but it definitely presents that seed of doubt, you know, um, for like how hard will they help you, you know? And, and, and so I, I, it's just one of those situations where, you know, it, it, it could, could have been avoided. It yeah. could have been avoided and it wasn't. And I think there's going to be some guys on the staff that end up, that end up taking that 10% pay cut. Um, but that's not going to make it look any better for those guys because it's going to look like they got shamed into doing something that, that they didn't want to do. But uh, we'll see how that goes. As Jeremy Pruitt said this week, the, the final story there has not been written. All right, uh, S. Pitval wants to know, in the chat on Monday night, Austin, you said the Tennessee job is a better job today than it was in 2017. Can you guys elaborate on why you believe this job is more attractive now than it was? Well, the young talent. I mean, they – they have so much more talent now than what than what uh, Jeremy walked in with. Not Jeremy had some key pieces that allowed him to win those eight games in a row last year, you know, or seven games in a row last year, and get to eight and five, you know, like Marquez and Jawan and Daryl Taylor and Batuli and Nigel, those guys we just talked about. But they also, you know, were very very limited in a lot of ways. You know, if, if Tennessee had to make a coaching change, I think the person, whoever that person is, um, would walk in the door with a lot more depth and a lot more talent 
than Jeremy was uh, walking in the door with in 2017. And, and to your point, I mean, yeah, he had those some of those pieces on the team, but what had Nigel Warrior done before Jeremy Pruitt got here? Yep, and that's another person. Until he couldn't beat out Colton Jumper. And then, you know, and Jawan had been kicked off the team by the, the previous staff. And not only did Jeremy, you know, heal that whole situation, he got him to play like his his hair was on fire for two years. Here's here's another thing where I think that that, that it's better. It's a better position than it was. The, the, the resources invested into the program, when you look at the amount of money they're paying assistant coaches and they've gone to pay assistant coaches, look what they're paying their coordinators. Remember when, when Philip Fulmer introduced Jeremy Pruitt at the, at the press conference and he took questions, one of the questions, I think, Rob, you asked this question was, where are you in your investment level in the program compared to schools like Alabama? Because they had more personnel behind the scenes, you know, more analysts, more recruiting office, more investment in those things. And I don't think there's any doubt to this point that Jeremy Pruitt has been given more resources to work with than any of the previous coaches have in terms of a salary pool for assistance and the number of employees that they have working in various departments in the, in the program. I think that's something that's definitely changed under Philip Fulmer and, and has changed um, since 2017 to make this a better job. I think that's a great point. I mean, compared, remember, and no disrespect to, to Larry Scott, because without him, Hubbard, we would not have the John Gruden gift, but $600,000 for, for an offensive coordinator. I mean, Jeremy's not going to – he's not been put in that position where you know where his, his hands are tied behind his back. Yeah. All right, let's go to uh, Anthron, who's got a question here. Nylon Green still committing somewhere this month, AP. Yes, I believe he is. All right. Runner Vall wants to know, are there any coaches on the staff at uh, South Carolina, players or recruits for 21 that Tennessee would be interested in? Uh, I don't know about coaches, but let's talk about recruits or players. Anybody there that Tennessee uh, – I, I don't know that they were head-to-head with a lot of those guys, were they? No, they weren't. Um, now, with the one-time transfer, if they allowed it in the league, which I don't think they will. I think they might allow one-time transfers, but you, you have to go from Florida State to Tennessee, not Florida to Tennessee. Not immediate um, eligibility for them is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah correct. Right. Um, but if they did allow that – you know, in this league, you know, uh, Jamie Robinson would be somebody that Tennessee would definitely, you know, take a hard look at if he was wanting to look around, you know, he almost ended up here to begin with, um, has a, has a close tie to Shelton Felton. Um, you know, so that would make some sense. Uh, outside of that, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think, you know, you're going to see anybody, you know, defecting out of the recruiting class. Um, and then uh, coaches wise, you know, I mean, everybody wants to say Muschamp could end up here. You know, I mean, I, I don't want to say no. I mean, like I think that that's certainly a possibility if if Tennessee were to lose defensive coaches and he wanted to go that route. I think, yeah. I mean, I think he's going to be a defensive coordinator somewhere next year. He's not going to be a defensive line coach somewhere. He's going to be a defensive coordinator uh, somewhere because that's. I mean, he has a great reputation as a coordinator, and he will land on his feet somewhere I think as a defensive and, coordinator and honestly a, a real likable guy a really likable guy Jesse and I spent some time with him because Jesse knew him from when he you know covered Florida uh over to rivals camp well I, not this past summer obviously because no camps but the summer before that because his kid was a a quarterback at, at the camp and I mean you know just you know kind of being around him for a little while I mean he, he was a real likable guy so I, I can see why kids play hard for him and and, and he recruits pretty well 
All right, let's go to Priestfall. Uh, Pruitt mentioned on Monday that there seemed to be more confidence offensively, just having a better idea of how to execute what we want to do. So two questions out of that. One, how concerning is it that in year two, with a ton of experience back on offense, year two being Cheney's year two, is the offense still learning how to execute the system? And two, what do they want to do? Seems like a funny statement to me since they don't know what they want to do. I'll, I'll take question one. I think he was talking about the young players in terms of having a better idea of what to execute. I think he was talking about the freshman receivers. I think he was talking about Harrison Bailey. Uh, I think he was talking about, you know, young players, not to veteran players in, in the, in the, on the offensive side of the ball learning how to system. As for question two, what does Tennessee want to do? How good of a question is that? I don't think we know. I mean, against Arkansas, when you throw it eight times in the first half, you clearly wanted to run the football. Yeah, I mean, I think they want to throw it, Rob. I think they want. I think they want to be balanced. But I, I think you said it earlier in the podcast. When you don't have any confidence at the quarterback position, you don't have an offensive identity. You can't have an offensive identity without competent, without quality quarterback play. Not not where the game is right now because people aren't lining it up and handing it off sixty five times a game. That's not how. They, that's not how everybody's playing football these days. All right, let's go to uh, Bruce Fall. Did Tennessee request to play Georgia last week when both teams' games were canceled? You want to take that one, Austin? Yes, they did. I, I talked about that in the podcast last week. Um, they did. They, they called the SEC office, um, you know, and I think, you know, the SEC looked at them like they had six eyes in their, on their head. You know, I mean, like, hey, Tennessee just felt like they needed to play, you know, and if it meant playing a team they've already played, you know, so be it, but – you know, I, I think that it was something that, you know, Coach Pruitt and, and, and the staff, you know, they, they didn't really want to take another week off. You know, I mean, yeah, you get time to practice, but, you know, I don't like just going to the driving range every time I go to the course without actually going to the course. So, I mean, like, I get it. They want to play a real game. CM8888, you've already mentioned the Nyland Green update. Give us a uh, Twywan Malone update. Where's Tennessee there? And Ty Simpson update. What's the latest? Well, I, I've not talked to Taiwan, um, you know, because, I, again, I, as I said on the board on uh, Wednesday, you know, I've not reached out to him because, I mean, when you're not taking visits and, and everything, there's not much can change, you know, in your recruitment. So I, unless he's getting closer to a decision than I think, then I don't think – and I don't think he is. I think he's still about three, four weeks out. Um, you know, I, I think Tennessee's right there along with Ole Miss, and those are the top two teams in my opinion. And Nyland Green, you think Tennessee and, and Georgia, or do you think you think Clemson's getting in that thing? I think Clemson's in that thing. I think enough to uh, to to make Tennessee sweat a little bit. I, I think Tennessee was positioned well, though, um, especially coming off his most recent visit here. And nothing new at this point on Ty Simpson. No, I, you know Tennessee again has been positioned so so well this entire time, um, but you know and. Again, these next two weeks are going to be pivotal. He's going to go to Alabama. Then he's going to go – or he's going to go to Clemson and Alabama the next two weeks. And he watched two quarterbacks, though, for in between 300 and 400 yards. Alabama, play Kentucky this weekend, and then Clemson play Pittsburgh next weekend. He was at Ole Miss this past weekend. Um, you know, and, and you know, you, when there's just a different vibe when, you know, they hit the long play and Lane went running down the sideline. Jeff Lebby ran back there and pointed at top who's up in the stands. You know, I mean, like, this is one of those things where, like, there's just a certain juice around the, the football program, you know, at Ole Miss right now. And, and, and Tennessee's struggling to score points. So, 
you know, I don't think he's going to end up at Ole Miss. I said that the other night. But, I mean, like if you're watching the two offenses, which one are you excited about potentially playing one in, playing in and which one are you not? All right. Rocky Top Tennessee Vol wants to know, is the 21 recruiting class holding strong across the board? No crawfishing by any of the commits. Has the losses, appearance of instability with coaches hurt the 22 class yet? Um, you know, it's not hurt the 21 class because they can't take visits. And I yeah. think that, that that has been a huge help to Tennessee considering the struggles. Um, and the 22 class, I mean, I think Tennessee was ahead of the game. Um, but I, obviously I think that, you know, all the chatter out there, and I mean, <laughs> nobody on the board wants to hear it, but I mean, there are lots of family members and, 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 and recruits that look at, at message boards, whether it's ours or others, and, you know, they can get a temperature of, of you know, what's going on in the program. So, you know, I, I think right now all the chatter out there about, you know, coaching changes and this and that, you know, has probably slowed any momentum along with a two and four start. And AP, don't you think that's even more the case this year with so many in-state kids in 22 being priorities that their families hear way more about it than they would if they were, you know, in Georgia or Charlotte or somewhere Absolutely. I mean, these, these, these parents and family members, they listen to podcasts like this one. They listen to other podcasts. And so uh, talk radio, they, the talk radio. They, they read message boards. And so they, they, they know what's out there. All right. Patan, let's see here. What's the next question? What happened at the half of the Georgia game? Rob, I'll take, I'll let you take that one. Dive into your, dive into your magic eight ball and tell everybody what happened at half. <laughs> somebody I mean somebody maybe killed a chicken sacrificed something to Joe Boo uh you know I, I don't know I mean it's I mean especially when you look back I mean the offense against South Carolina and Missouri I mean that you know they weren't just you know magic on turf or anything but I mean they scored 30 points in both those games one and only one defensive touchdown and they haven't scored two offensive touch more than two offensive touchdowns in a game since I mean, it really is about the damnedest thing I've ever seen. I mean, I, I can't – I have no answer. And, and, by the way, you go into the halftime locker room with the lead, Austin, and you just held Georgia at the goal line on four downs. Yeah, you I mean, again – You never it was had more of, juice than you had right then, right? It was, a, it was a bit of fool's gold that Tennessee had the lead, but they still had the lead. And to complete the, the uh, major league reference, it's more like, Rob, they made fun of Joe Boo – and then they were they were they were Harris the pitcher who took the bat off the skull when the the, the guy in the batting cage let. let I'll, even, I'll even go one even further for for the people mine and Hubbard's age. Hubbard will, Hubbard will get this at AP. You won't get it. So all you all you forty five year forty five range age guys on the board, it's like they picked up that Brady Bunch Hawaiian wooden statue Hubbard and when they were walking <laughs> off the field at halftime. And took it in. Somebody stuck it in their pocket, and they walked in. <laughs> when Greg got hurt on the surfboard, because oh, yeah. because of the voodoo hex. <laughs> That's terrible. I can't believe he just made a, a, a Brady Bunch reference. Austin has. You're right. He had no idea what to. Heck no, he, he's close. All right. Listen, listen, I know exactly what the Brady Bunch is. I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm not. I'm not 12. I'm 37. And uh, and and know. Austin watched the Brady Bunch at 4:35 every afternoon on TBS while he was eating his afternoon snack doing his homework, right? Yeah, right after Mama's family. <laughs> All right, Corn from a Jar wants to know, um, is Garantano coming back in 21 with the 2020 COVID waiver in effect? Oh, Jeremy you know Pruitt, he, you Jeremy know Pruitt saying today that everyone is welcome back. 
you know he is. You know he'll be back. Just to taunt them all fans. I don't think there's any way. I don't think he'll be back. Yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, same same guy wants to know, does Tennessee have a shot with Arch Manning? I would call it a long shot at, at, at this point in time, unless Tennessee gets a real offensive pulse. Uh, I think Ole Miss will be in that. I think LSU will be in that. We'll see what happens with LSU. Um, don't you think that kid's destined with the, the Manning name uh, to, you know, and once they, you know, pass the uh, the the ability to, for kids to make money, you know, like McDonald's is going to gobble this kid up. You know, oh, he'll make a fortune. The golden he, he, Yeah, he's going to make a fortune I think wherever the, he goes. I, I bet the best Uncle Peyton will be able to do for Big Orange Nation is to keep him out of Tuscaloosa. Yeah, and I, get him on, and get him on campus. When, yeah, maybe get him on campus for a visit. Um, all right, uh, running out of time here. Uh, Russ 10 wants to know, if you had to pin it on one coach or player who's responsible for the offensive woes, Austin, you said on the podcast uh, that Cheney had uh, – not forgotten how to call ball plays. Why is Tennessee so bad on offense? How do they fix it? I think we've all talked about that. It's, it starts with the quarterback play, um, plain and simple. Uh, we'll go down here to uh, W. Luke Balls. During ball calls last week, Pruitt alluded to having the best offensive practices with J.G. sideline. Again, this Monday during his preference, he alluded to having continued offense success with J.G. sideline, but was quick to say he came back. Does Pruitt realize he's telling the fan base and alluding to the offense rallying behind a, Harrison Bailey as opposed to JG. I think it's, I mean, I don't put much stock in it. I mean, like I said earlier in the podcast, I have to believe it to see it if they do have any confidence. And I, I don't think that was Jeremy's intention. And I also think that was kind of just coach speak. All right. Last two here uh, quickly VFL 23, JG or Bailey to start on Saturday. Anybody jumping out there with a prediction on that? JG. one? Yet? You're going to get Jared, Rob. All right. I'll, I, I'll be shocked. I'm a, shocked is probably strong, but just based off what we've seen, I expect JG. As of this, as of this Wednesday night taping at you know eleven oh four with my dog working. You're, you're going with JG. All right, last question. Peyton for president wants to know uh, most important offensive recruit in 2021 that Tennessee must hang on to. Most important defensive recruit in 21 that you got to hang on to. Dylan Brooks on defense, Austin. I think that's pretty much a given. Offensively, is it Salter or is it getting well, he, Tyon Evans back in the boat? I think it's Tyon Evans. Um, you know, but uh, and here's why: because Tennessee needs more dynamic running backs, and 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 you know, I, I, Caden Salter's already been so adamant that he's that he's firm. Okay, I got you. Make makes some sense there. All right, that's going to do it for this mailbag edition of the VolQuest.com podcast. Don't forget our friends at Blue Water Climate Control. Check them out online at Blue Water Climate Control. You can give them a buzz at 865-299-2290. You can book an appointment online or give them a call and book an appointment. Get that tune-up for your heating system. Uh, whatever issue you're having, they'll come out, check it out for you. They'll tell you exactly what you need. They're not going to oversell you on stuff you don't need. Uh, they got great financing options for you if you have to get a new unit or a major repair. Whatever you need for... Uh, your heating and air system, Blue Water Climate Control can take care of you. So check them out at bluewaterclimatecontrol.com. For Rob Lewis, Austin Price, our man Max in the background, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody.